It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today the Adam Ritz Show is on location. We are broadcasting on campus in Carbondale, Illinois, at Southern Illinois University in front of this live studio audience. Okay. Thank you, Southern Illinois Carbondale, for that uh, warm welcome. I'm Adam, and you are Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing great. What is your last name? Bakewit. Bakewit. Bayquit, yeah. Okay, and uh, we travel the country and, and bring uh, our listeners fantastic stories of community service and uh, awareness, um, charities, and uh, we want to find out about what the Salukis and what your group have been doing to make this world a better place. What do you guys do? Well, my group, which is Talkap Epsilon, raised over, actually right under $6,000 last year for St. Jude's. How about that? Round of applause. Six grand for St. Jude's. Tau Kappa Epsilon. The Teaks at Southern Illinois, and how'd you raise that money? Uh, we had two events. One was our annual pig roast. We raised over $2,500 ourselves and then got that donation matched. And then we had a second event, which was held by our international fraternity, and it was a, um, uh, an event where you go through No Shave November, and we received donations um, from the people who had the best be- beards during November, and we raised just about $1,000 with that. Did you do a beard? I did not. I unfortunately can't really grow a good no, beard. You so. can't, can't grow one. No. Can <laughs> I, I've got a little bit of a baby face. <laughs> How about the best beard in your, uh, in your group? Does he still have the beard on? Uh, a little bit. Kevin, okay. if you go ahead and stand. Okay. Yeah, that's a pretty good, okay. I'll give you some money to shave that off later. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so Movember is a big one and uh, the pig roast. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, just getting involved. And it's a great way for our listeners uh, even myself, to hear these stories and know that you can get off your couch, make a difference, and make somebody's life better. So for St. Jude's and everybody else, uh, we thank you for your hard work. And this is Jonathan. Let's have one more round of applause for everything they do here at Southern Illinois. Carbondale, thank you so much. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. And we thank you again for uh, checking out the Adam Ritz Show traveling the country to bring you the most interesting people with the most interesting stories. And, uh, boy, this guy is one interesting character, Burley Drummond. Burley, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. And thanks for having me on your show. I'm honored to have you as a founding member and drummer for the band Ambrosia, one of my all-time favorites growing up. I hear those songs, the nostalgia. It takes me, takes me back. And the generations that are fans of your band Ambrosia um, – what do you see when you look out in the audience? You see a guy my age, you see somebody 20 years younger than me that is just getting into that music, and, and you see a guy older. 20 years older than me, Absolutely. too. Well, I mean, that, I guess, is a testament to the music. I mean, thankfully, that it, it can span generations. And uh, we find that a lot of our fans, you know, that were with us originally, you know, they were pretty hardcore fans, and it's transferred to their children and now to their children. So it's, it's, it's a nice legacy to have that it's being passed along. I've seen you play, and um, you do a lot on the mic with uh, interaction with the crowd, and I heard you mention 
um, meeting fans whose children are named Ambrosia. Well, and now they're old enough that you meet fans that are named Ambrosia. Well, the funny thing about it, about five years ago, I started, I don't know what, what you know, a lot of half of what I say on stage just is what happens. I don't think about it. It just comes out. And uh, so I said one night, if you have any children named Ambrosia, we'd love to sign them. And, and after the show, there was two beautiful, you know, young ladies named Ambrosia. You know, I mean, it, it was said as a joke, but then we started saying it. And we've probably met, you know, upwards to probably about between 20 and 25. You know, they're always girls, you know, in their teens. So maybe they're, you know, like they're 15 to 25. So that shows that, you know, our generation, the generation that we, you know, that first attracted to Ambrosia had children. And they were inspired enough by Ambrosia to name their daughter Ambrosia. And, you know, they always come and say, yeah, my mom and dad, they loved your music. And, you know. That is so, great. Yeah, it's, oh, no. I mean, but it started off as kind of a, a joke. And then all of a sudden it was reality. You know? Well, you uh, also had a great joke on uh, stage. Uh, I heard about um, the government calling you to uh, oh, yeah. about the U.S. population well, getting yeah, too high yeah. because your music is so romantic. Right. Um, the, the, the three that pop into my mind that I remember listening to when I was uh, 9, 10, 11 years old, uh, Biggest Part of Me, You're the Biggest right. Part of Me, uh, You're the Only Woman, right. and uh, How Much I Feel. Right. Um, those are very romantic. I mean, you're talking uh, couples that want that for their wedding song. I mean, you've got to have a thousand stories of couples coming up to you to say, you know, how much I feel was in our wedding. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's a great testament to the song and, uh, and the fact that people have that as kind of a, ear, uh, a mark for their life or the celebration of their union. That's great. We're, we're, uh, we're honored that they would do that. So, I mean, obviously they wouldn't pick Ready for Camarillo, which is about entering a mental ward. That's one of our <laughs> tunes, too. So I don't know. You know, it's like we kind of run the gamut. So, But we're happy to have those songs. Yeah, and we're happy that people relate to them. It's great. I did hear you sing a little. I do. And you've got a, a pretty, uh, I mean, it's an interesting, and it's a great voice. However, you've got a lead singer, and uh, Joe, your bassist and founding member, also sings uh, as much as the lead singer does, but, you, but yeah. you're not really the lead. Why, why were you never jumping on a lead vocal with oh. that voice you have? It's great. Well, thank, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, I sing a lot of lead in other situations. You know, Ambrosia had so many great singers that it was kind of like getting in line. Mm -hmm. and, so, um, and so if you look at the, the, the way Ambrosia was structured, uh, Dave Pack and Joe Puerta were very proficient writers, you know, in the early days. And so I was like a fledgling writer. Uh, and so I, I be, kind of became the George Harrison of the band, and they were kind of the Lennon and McCartney, you know. So I'd have my one or two songs per album, and they wrote, the, you know, the bulk of the mm -hmm. material. So, and it, it tended to work out that, you know, you sang whatever you wrote, you know, and, and then at that point, I was writing songs that were completely out of my range, so, you know, Joe or Dave would sing them. So, uh, so but then I started singing, and then uh, when Ambrosia took a, a time out in, like, 1982 to 1989, I think, something like that, and, uh, and that's when I met my wife. And then we uh, started playing together, and we had a band called we have we still have a band called Tin Drum, and so we both sang lead in that, and that's kind of where I really found my voice, and so I do a lot of singing, but Ambrosia's kind of cast already, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you know the hits have that high tenor voice, 
you know, and I, I have a voice, but I don't have a high <laughs> tenor voice. <laughs> no. So. Well, you bring up your wife, Mary, yeah. uh, plays with you, keyboards. Yes. Uh, we like talking about uh, family and uh, the strength of a, of a solid marriage, and, and that's uh, pretty fantastic that you can go on the road and, and work with your wife. So a lot of people say, oh, I could never work with my husband or I could never work with my wife. Uh, I'm, I'm almost to the point where I feel like I can't work without my wife. Okay. You know, uh, it's, I mean, she, um, first of all, she's really good. And she's, she is the, she's really part of the glue that holds the band together. She, between her and I, it, it, that is the rhythm section. So, um, I mean, I do a lot of projects with a, a lot of other people without my wife, but it's, it's just nice. And Ambrosia is going to, is getting more and more to the point where it's going to be consumed kind of 50% of my time. So going back to when Tin Drum started, uh, let's see if I can explain this. You know, my wife was with Jimmy Buffett and Animal Logic, and I was doing a lot of sessions and traveling with a lot of other bands, and we had a son. And it got to the point where we were really passing him off in an airport to each other. She'd be coming in, I'd be going out, here's our son. And so we'd, we've, at one, we finally just said, we've got to start playing together. So we formed our band, Tin Drum, and then uh, because Ambrosia's kind of taking so much of our time now, it, uh, it kind of worked out well that Mary would be in Tindrum with me. Because, I mean, you know, if you want, how much time do you want to be away from each other? You know, you, you just got to decide, you know. So it just works out for me, and it makes it, it, makes it worthwhile for me to be in Ambrosia with my wife. And you're on the road. You feel like you're, you're, you're at home. You've got your wife with you. Well, I mean, now now it's great. I mean, you know, if we start doing six-month tours and whatever, you know, uh, I mean, I, it's always going to be great. But right right now, when we just do kind of one-offs or two or three days in a row, it's like a, a little vacation for us. Yeah. You know, it is because we're, we're away from our home and we're away from our, our day-to-day responsibilities. It's a little bit of an escape. You know, oh, isn't that fun? Oh, wasn't that fun? Wasn't that great? <laughs> and then we go home and it's like, hey, go take the trash out. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this is a little bit of you know a little you know a little candy here you know. Burley is our guest. Burley Drummond, uh, maybe one of the best last names for a drummer ever. Yeah. Uh, founding member and drummer for Ambrosia. Um, did you think in 1970 when you founded Ambrosia that all these years later you'd still be doing Ambrosia? Uh, I didn't think about it really. Uh, I just have always been uh, you know of the moment really uh, I'm happy that it's happening because uh, it's music that I feel like we still after 43 years together I don't every night I can come off the stage and still pick it apart you know what we could have done better and what I should have done better and uh, so it's like I never feel like we've mastered it and uh, and I think we're we're, maybe some some nights we're closer and some nights we are farther away but it's still a, a, a great endeavor to you know, it's it's something to try to achieve. You know, something well, to strive for. As a fan that saw your show, you you you've mastered it. Oh, I mean, no. it's pretty good stuff. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. But you know, uh, you know, um, like anybody that that's so into what they do, you know, you can you can pick it apart still, you know, and or, or always strive to be better at it. Well, you know what? And as a fan, that's nice to hear that oh, because uh, a lot of artists out there, you know, are mailing it in. So to speak. So uh, it's great that you're not. I mean, I think if I think if you talk to any real artist, like Michael McDonald or or somebody like that, you know, um, 
you'll get the same response. You know, they're they're pretty much consumed with you know always trying to to reach a little higher than where they are. Now I learned something tonight uh, listening to your concert. You mentioned uh, or someone uh, mentioned that the song "Biggest Part of Me" was nominated for a Grammy three, three times. Three, three yeah. times. Well, how did that happen? Three times. Uh, well, for they have all these different categories. Three different categories. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so like best. Uh, Best song with fo- uh, with vo- best vocal arrangement. Um, I forget what some of them were. Best best instrumental arrangement of a pop tune or whatever. So yeah, so there's like I forget the distinct categories. But, okay. Yeah, you know, but it was all, you know, about the song. And, and that's pretty cool. And you yeah. and I mean multiple Grammy nominations for other other efforts as well. Uh yeah. And, well, on our first album, we got nominated twice for the sonic uh, quality of the album. And that, that's because Alan Parsons came in and mixed our album. And then he uh, produced and co-produced our second album with us. So yeah, he was a big part of our early career, Alan Parsons. Well, you brought up some names, Alan Parsons, Michael McDonald, um, of course, Ambrosia we're talking about. And um, well, you, asked, I, you asked me, or you mentioned earlier about you know causes and things. And we're really lucky. Uh, last year, we did several benefits with Michael McDonald, where we got to back up Michael and... I've, the whole band, I speak for the whole band, that you know, he's one of our artists that we respect the most. He's absolutely an incredible artist. So it, it, these were cancer benefits, and, uh, and just, it was just such an honor to play for him. Yeah. Was this something his camp put together, and uh, then you were honored to be uh, a part of it? Or, it was actually, uh, one of them was a, a cancer benefit for our old lead singer, Dave Pack's wife, who's, uh, and another one was for a friend of his, and then we did another one with him for uh, an uh, underprivileged artist, uh, like young kids in the Santa Barbara area who needed uh, a place to develop their art, and it was a school for arts. So we do that. So we, we do a lot of that. We do a lot of benefits, and, you know, we're pretty much uh, suckers for anybody who has a call. <laughs> that has, no, we're not suckers, but, you know, but we, we, we appreciate it, you know. Pe- I mean, people helped us out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if we had to think... I don't even know if we could think of everybody we had to thank, you know, to help us get where, achieve what we have. So everybody needs help getting there. So we can look forward to maybe uh, in the future uh, another sort of benefit show to benefit cancer or, or oh, children sure. or anything. Sure. And, and if you're listening to this broadcast and you, you need entertainment for your, uh, <laughs> for your uh, benefit, uh, contact Burley. He'll be happy to do it, right? I'm sure. Yeah, okay, whatever. Um, I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that. Um, foundations, charities, music. Do you do any mentoring with kids or uh, teach music? I mean, yeah. uh, what you've done behind the drum kit for the last 40, 50 years, uh, it's a lot of knowledge that you can share. Sure. Well, I do clinics and the such like that, but I also teach. Uh, my, wife, my, my wife is the consummate teacher, teaches piano and voice, but I, I teach drums and percussion a legit percussion like marimba, timpani, and all that stuff. But it, now this is kind of funny, but a lot of my students are uh, either, I teach two kinds of students, students that are like young drummers that have gotten their first record deal and they're going to do their first record and they're, you know, they're all wigged out like, you know, what do I do? What do you, know, you, know, you know, so you teach them, you just prepare them, okay? You know, here's, you know, get used to playing to a click. You know, try different ways of playing your song. Try different sounds. Try different, you know, like sticks, brushes, mallets. You know, try everything. 
But then there's the other student, the younger student, like in uh, middle school and high school, especially guys. Girls seem to have it very together. But young guys that come in, it's like they want to learn, and they, they learn a lot about drumming. But the main thing they want, the main thing I can teach them is it's going to be okay. Girls are going to like you someday. <laughs> Hang in there, you know. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's amazing what young boys go through. Yeah. It's amazing, and and seeing them go through it made me, you know, reflect on what I went, you know, what I went through at that age. What every guy goes through at that age, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm a geek. People, girls don't like me. Whatever. <laughs> it's like you're fine. You're gonna be okay. <laughs> Hang in there. And that is valuable mentorship. Oh man, it's amazing though. I mean, because it it really you see some of these guys and and man, they're destroyed, you know. And you got to got to give them something. You know, make them realize that their life is going to be okay. Burley Drummond is our guest, founding member and drummer for the group Ambrosia. Um, the biggest part of me, I got to tell you, just yesterday I was having uh, some nachos and it, it came on the uh, at the pub. Um, where in your world travels, where are some of the most interesting places you've been sitting in a pub or a restaurant or in an airport and you hear one of your tunes come across the loudspeaker? Well, I've heard I, I tour a lot in Europe because I do a lot of blues and jazz festivals. But uh, I, I hear it all the time, and and not the hits so much, like an odd tune here and there. Like I heard a tune that I wrote in one of the few t songs I sang on Ambrosia. I heard that in a bar in Japan, you know, out of nowhere. Did you stand up and say, "Hey, that's me"? <laughs> oh, I, I do have a great experience. Uh, I was at a Dodger game once in L.A., Los Angeles. And so uh, after the game, we went down to the museum and walked. They have a little museum there. And we walked through the museum, and we came. So we'd avoid the traffic, you know. So we come out, and the whole parking lot's empty, except as we're walking to my van, which is way off in the distance, we get to my van, and then about 100 yards off in the distance, way, way in the far end of the parking lot, I see these two guys outside, this kind of, fan, you know, race car type thing standing outside, you know, hang, and they were playing this song that I wrote called "Living on My Own," and and they were like, you know, like, like just grooving to it, and it it was just it was like a surreal moment, you know, just like seeing two guys in the middle of nowhere grooving to the tune you wrote, and it's just like, well, it was wow, that's cool. Did you stop and talk to them? No, I thought about driving over there and saying, "Hey, that's my song." You know? <laughs> but then I thought, "Oh, talk about blowing a moment," you know, because they were just like kind of, you know, you know, like in their thing, you know. And that like, makes me think you're even cooler that you didn't stop and oh, say no, that. I mean, no, I don't. Yeah, worry. I mean, because I go, I go to say, "Oh, that's my song." Oh, sure, dude. You know, like get out of here. You know, it's like no, really, really. <laughs> you know, <I'm> like <laughs> uh, the. Consummate hits that I, you know, I remember when I was growing up. Um, You're the only woman. Yeah. Um, and uh, how much I feel. Right. Um, it, you know, when you hear how much I feel, how does that make you feel? Uh, no, great. I mean, um, I mean, the only thing about the hits, I mean, is you know, and I don't want to, you know, uh, cast any bad. They are great. They are wonderful. I, you know, I just, uh, Ambrosia has such a, a, a broad scope of music. I wish people would go beyond the hits. But at, in the same stroke, I'm saying that I'm thankful that we have the hits or we probably wouldn't be here. 
That is a fine line. I mean, the hits, I know, for, yeah. for the fans, they love it. And oh, no, uh, for the casual it. fan, they love it. But uh, from, uh, from your side of the stage... No, and I love it too. You're, you're right. There's no. such a huge catalog and library of music with different kind of genres you've crossed over into. And uh, it's a fine line. Well, so in, in that respect, I'm thankful for the hits because, you know, if it wasn't for the hits, we wouldn't be playing the other stuff. So, so the, you know, the fact that we get to do it all... It's all worth it. So. One last question before I let you go. Uh, there's a term, a fairly new term, called Yacht Rock. Yeah, um, which we've done on the Jimmy Fallon show. Yeah, I saw you on Fallon with a big Yacht Rock uh, sort of big celebration. Um, there's bands we've already discussed about Michael McDonald and um, Christopher, Cross. Christopher Cross and Alan yeah, Parsons. Yeah. And, um, and now, you know, splinter sub-genres of, of soft rock or light rock, there's Yacht Rock, and it is popular. Yeah. And it, I mean, 20-year-old guys at fraternity parties are hosting Yacht Rock parties. I mean, you have a whole new audience now. Well, that's fine with us. That's fine with yeah. <laughs> more. Do you Did you see any sort of ticks on iTunes, people buying your songs more lately because of this resurgence of that uh, kind of music? Uh, I haven't noticed that. Uh, but, I, I mean, I hear the... Well, I think we're doing a tour, like, in June with several artists. I, and I think it's somehow yacht-related, you know. Uh, you know, Player and Robbie Dupree and uh, I think Little River Band. So we're doing it. Yeah, we're going to do that. So yacht related. Yeah. I love it. You just na- that's my ultimate dream with to be on a yacht. with my <laughs> to be on your yacht. Absolutely <laughs> broadcasting live for the Yacht Rock uh, Fest. I hope your dream comes true <laughs> <laughs> for both of us. For both of us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I thank you for your time. It's Burley Drummond from Ambrosia. It's just an honor talking to you, and thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me out. And we'll leave Burley with uh, the tune, How Much I Feel. This is Ambrosia. I don't know how this whole business started Of you thinking that I had been up
technical with the Adam Ritz show Facebook Adam Ritz show Twitter at Adam Ritz it's social technically I'm Adam Ritz and uh, welcome back to the Adam Ritz show we are now joined by a young man uh, very inspirational story and funny to boot Chris Connolly is joining us hi Chris I am glad to be here <laughs> fantastic I uh, know a little bit about your story and which is good because not only will our listeners learn uh, about you and what you do, but, but so will I. Uh, Chris Connolly is a, uh, a Theta Xi fraternity member from the University of Southern California uh, at USC. You are a comedian. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. I was born with cerebral palsy, which is a condition that affects fine motor but not gross motor, so it affects me when I'm doing small tasks but not larger tasks. Uh, Thankfully, it doesn't affect my mind, so it's a purely physical condition. Fantastic. And what I've been doing in recent years is stand-up comedy, where I'll get up and talk and tell jokes about living with a disability. How old were you, uh, were you when you started doing stand-up comedy? Well, I actually started doing magic at the age of 10. Ah. And from there, around... Two years ago, say I was 17, I picked up comedy, and it was just a very natural transition from doing magic at family shows, birthday parties, and the like, and now I do comedy at comedy clubs around L.A., open mic nights, things like that, and I really have fun with it, and uh, it's great because I was so used to being family-friendly with the magic, and now I can get into a little more launchy material. (laughs) (laughs) So what's the feedback like uh, on stage at a comedy club in Los Angeles uh, when you do your stick and you get off stage? What's some of the feedback you're hearing? Uh, The feedback's been really good, actually. I've gotten a lot of really great compliments. I think people just like to see someone who can be so upfront and it's refreshing to be able to talk about things and just say, I'm not going to be politically correct. This is what I am. 
this is what's going on, this is the reality, and I'm not going to pull any punches or beat around the bush. Well, we wish you the best of luck. It was a, an honor meeting you. Uh, leave us with uh, your best uh, joke or bit. What works the best when you're on stage at a comedy club? What gets the crowd going the most? Well, you know, having cerebral palsy, my hands shake, but it does have some advantages. Scratch-off tickets are easy, and I never have to buy an electric toothbrush. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Chris Conley. Also, my thanks to our guest today, Burley Drummond, original uh, founding member and drummer for Ambrosia, and all the great community service and hard work they're doing at Southern Illinois University, where the show started. Thanks for listening. Join me on Twitter at Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.